This is Emerging Possibilities, powered by Volvo Group Australia. Here we talk to industry experts about the future of mobility and how it will shape both our lives and the world we live in. Hi and welcome to another episode of Emerging Possibilities. It's been a while between episodes, but uh, Tim, where's our guest? Our guest isn't here, it's just us today. Uh, we literally had one job, we were meant to have a guest. Look, I tried the five people that I know we've already interviewed, uh, so that's it. We're, we're at our limit, apparently. So you've only got five friends? Well, four and someone who was you know, coerced into coming to a podcast, but yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, so we're going to have to talk about our favourite subject then. Us? Ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can do that well. This might be a long podcast. <laughs> Well, in all honesty, we do actually have something to talk about. So we recently uh, embarked on quite an epic trip that had never been done before. We took a Volvo FH electric loaded with a trailer on it from... With an FE electric on the back of it. Yes, true. Mm. From Brisbane to Canberra. Yeah, 1,185 kilometres, if I... Who's counting? I wasn't counting, but uh, I I was in the passenger seat for all of them, checking on things. Which is why I was counting the kilometres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sorry to Shane and Matt for having to endure so much time in the cab with me, but it is what it is. You're stronger for it. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, I suppose it's probably not a bad opportunity to talk about the experience of doing that because this was uh, originally something that we'd hatched up a while ago because we thought it'd be really cool to do it. Yeah. But also the uh, price for maybe not pulling it off, we were a little bit sort of hesitant until actually you crunched the numbers and that's where the uh, range simulator that Volvo has came in very useful. Yeah, I, I think I was trying to remember when we first started talking about it was I was trying to explore fast charges to test the heavy-duty truck coming in. And we'd call around the usual suspect to see if they had something installed that could fit a truck and unfortunately didn't have something at the rate we needed. So we started looking around southeast Queensland into New South Wales and as we kept on scrolling and looking at where they were, kind of dots on a map that kind of made sense for a drive. So kind of formulated from there originally, we were you know, looking to do it as a testing and a bit of an activation, obviously. And then through some different changes, it fell by the wayside for a little bit. And then it got brought up again as a great addition to do some more testing in terms of delivering the ACT emergency services truck as well. It was some great testing. It was some great experience. It was probably a fortuitous time to do it with the regulation changes that have been announced of recent and testing those and understanding what they actually were and where the limitations were. Well, the timing ended up being really good because we'd gone from having a truck that was very restricted as to where we could drive it to all yeah. of a sudden being able to drive it in Queensland, New South Wales, and uh, more recently, Victoria as well. Yeah. And obviously that's based around the width and the axle weight mm. shifts or regulation shifts or, or trial announcements and stuff like that. So mm. the drive wouldn't have been possible until only a matter of weeks before no, that anyway, a yeah. couple of weeks. It would have been bespoke permits hoping for those exemptions to come. But, yeah, it's been a strong push from governments, I should say SA, New South Wales, Queensland and ACT particular really, and the federal government with the width, opening up more avenues to these vehicles being used and utilised in such a way, in such locations. So we're really, it sort of really shifted the dial. Like we've gone from a truck we're talking about to a truck that we can actually put out on the road and demonstrate. But... I thought, I know for me, being prone to range anxiety, (laughs) it felt like a bit of a pioneering kind of uh, effort. Someone asked me, like, why did you stop in seven charges? Doing the maths, it's only 1,200 kilometres odd, seven times. 
that doesn't work out at a great range and all. I said, well, the reason why it had to be seven charges was because that's where the charges were. And if we didn't stop at one of them after, I think the shortest distance was about 80 Ks, we wouldn't have made it to the next one. It was all a bit odd in the spacing. We planned it out in the electric range simulator, the, the our proprietary in-house tool that we do with all. Could you use your advertiser's voice when you do that? Oh, yeah. The yeah, electric like, range this, simulator is a program great, you buy? <laughs> <laughs> But no, we programmed it out, plotted it out. I think I put a threshold of, actually I had one threshold. We had at 10% coming in to a certain location. We probably didn't account for, I didn't account for the aerodynamic drag of the setup we had as much. So we arrived at 3%, which was a bit of a range <laughs> anxiety moment, but we did it. You know, once we, that was on the, the first part of the first day, right? So once we had a bit more information, recalibrated, it got some real real understanding of the learnings. Pushing it through from there was was good and, you know, great learning in that regard from our, our, ourselves. And you're right. So it wasn't the most aerodynamic load because you've got oh, like no. trailer with ramps on the back of it and there's trucks sitting on top of it. So compared to like a standard trailer with curtains or a van or something like that, it was not our friend. No, not at all. Like, you know, the runs Matt and you and I have done or you've done and I've simulated – with a curtain cider, they've been 1% off. Yep. You know, it's pretty routine in how you do it. But this thing, effectively two trucks and then some solid ramps at the back. Yeah, the coefficient's pretty up there. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing was too, it was raining on the first day as well. So you've got that uh, a little bit of extra drag on the road too. Yeah, and the windscreen wipers running. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the air conditioning. Yeah, and yeah, the stereo. And the stereo. Yeah. the stereo was up to drown you out. So um, Yeah, well, Shane tried to turn the stereo up to drown me out, but I kept on turning it down on him. You're right. I wanted to talk for 19 hours in the cab. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so how much power did we end up using for the entire trip? I think it was around 2,000 kilowatt hours for the whole trip. So that was... So this is a truck that has a capacity of 540. 540 total, total installed capacity. So yeah, some 2,000 of it around that. So again, interesting to see how much energy was used and much higher than your typical combination. But again, a great information point for us to understand. And over that length, over that distance at highway speeds, sitting at a at 100 on the highway and seeing what the uh, energy consumption is, it's it's all good learnings, all, all great learnings. Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing that when we put some content out about it afterwards, there was a bit of like, you know, oh, that's not realistic. It's not commercially viable to like use an electric truck to do that. And it's like, yeah, we weren't really saying that that was. We just wanted to have a go at it and see whether it would work. Well, so I don't know about you, but I'm pretty competitive. And <laughs> when people said you can't do that, well, I'm going to try and do it. But, you know, just, just, just testing it out and using it. It's not a use case it's designed for. Electric prime movers are metro delivery, maybe some interregional haul. They're not line haul. Yep. That is not the purpose of it. But we had the opportunity to do it, to test it, to understand it, to showcase it. It makes a decent splash in the space and shows that, you know, really getting rid of that narrative, that incorrect narrative that they're, they're glorified golf carts. They're not. This is an electric vehicle towing a trailer rated right? to 44 tonnes going the distance. I think there's also like the other aspects that well, some of the takeaways from the exercise for me was the like, I had some great conversations like at charging yeah. stops. So in some very interesting places where I thought we wouldn't have great conversations <laughs> so, about electric vehicles. Where we should have been an inconvenience because nobody else could charge. Yeah. Remember a uh, Tyndale? Yes. And you know, the bloke comes walking up quite begrudgingly towards us because we've got a truck parked in the charging bay. And then all of a sudden you can see his face changing as he kind of realises <laughs> that we were plugged in. And all of a sudden he's got this smile on his face and he's like, I was about to come over here and give you guys a what for. But then I realised you got an electric truck and you actually plugged in. And then, you know, half hour conversation with this person intrigued about 
where in which uh, electric truck came from to get to Tyndale. And there were a lot of conversations like that along the way. So like we, again, we were probably stopping for about an hour to an hour and a half for yeah. most charges, yep. which was plenty of time to eat donuts and talk about EVs. I had so many deep fried sausages <laughs> and cans of coffee. I'm not proud of it, but uh, it's what happened. Carbs and sugar yeah, and caffeine. Yeah. Um, we needed it. Yeah, we did. You know, to that point too, I suppose, over that 1,200 kilometre or so uh, stretch, we had to share the driving duties. So we had yeah. Shane Commons, our uh, Director of Product and Performance, came along and drove as well, which, again, that trip would usually just be one driver within driving hours. um, And it actually wasn't – it was just more the solid block of – time required for a rest as opposed to the stop charge, stop charge. Yeah, look, you didn't exceed the driving times, right? It was just Mm. having the continuous block of rest required. But overall, the the trip itself and the while driving – shameless plug, but I tell you what, it's comfortable to sit in that vehicle. It's quiet. It's smooth. The seat, you know, for my side, sitting in the passenger seat, comfortable as anything. One point I had about the the noise, Matt, was as we we're pulling out of Newcastle up the hill and your remark was, um, you know a truck's really quiet when you can hear the truck behind you pulling up the hill. Yeah. And it was some distance away pulling yeah, up was. the hill. It was nuts. And to that point, probably sounding a little bit like a broken record when it comes to like the drive experience, but um, that's the first time I've actually driven out on the highway for a long trip. Mm. It's a really nice truck to operate. Yeah. I will also confess that I may have been a little bit, I had a bit of a chuckle as I overtook other trucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on occasion yeah, yeah. as Going well. Going up the hill, yeah. Going up the hill. When you've got 666 horsepower <laughs> delivered flat and you're going up the hill, taking away from them. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> with no noise as they go past. And it did highlight that we've got a ways to go with charging infrastructure. Like I, I think the the charges and how they worked were were fine. The accessibility wasn't great. Yeah, I think the, the quality of charges, the location, the fact that the, you know, the integrated app and automated payment systems, you know, established really well and makes it easy for the user. But coming from a user's point of view and we're not the typical user when it comes to charging but when you pull up a semi-trailer to some of these charging points it's gets makes for some interesting driving we only disconnected the trailer twice yeah true my favorite was the top up charge at goulburn where i blocked off the diesel bowsers and jackknifed the (laughs) truck to access the charging (laughs) right next to the recycling exchange for containers some some nice synergy yeah yeah yeah. uh, and the roadhouse owner actually came out and i thought here we go i'm gonna Mm. gonna get into uh, some strife here and actually he was just like oh my god i've never seen this before tell me all about it so (laughs) it was uh it was a real shift it was interesting a lot of conversations you expected people to come out and have a crack at you and, and all the rest of it. But no, I don't think we had a negative conversation at all. No. Well, I didn't. Oh, I had one. I had one in Seven Hills where the bloke told me that doesn't believe in electric, full stop, right. vehicles or otherwise. So I hope his um, internal combustion engine. I hope you thank him pa- for his pa- time. Yeah, because yeah, he, power he, drill goes well. <laughs> Priming and starting a little power drill with an engine in it. I think it was just the fact that he felt he could take the time to walk over. Yeah, and let me know. Yeah, Just yeah. let you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. You know, how many conversations did we have? Seriously. You know, the bus drivers in Sutton Forest. Sutton Forest, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like all of this stuff, you know, people are just really intrigued by it. I'm interested in, oh, where did you come from? Oh, Brisbane. Brisbane. <laughs> where are you going? Canberra. Canberra. Really? But the other aspect of it that I really enjoyed was it was nice outside of that sort of online environment to have a conversation that wasn't sort of politicised. <laughs> so yeah. I was just genuinely curious was about the track. Genuine conversation. 
not echo chambers of negativity or yeah people feeding off each other yeah genuine intrigue and that's I think that was an important part of it as well as you know while showcasing that this is possible yes it's not operationally suitable but getting out there and showing people that they exist it's not a a far off dream it's a here and now with the full range of of our vehicles here in Australia there's a use case there look it worked it did the job but and it's possible in Australia now like it's not you know, you're not you're not really waiting for much anymore. No, it's like it's not science fiction, but I suppose this is also like not an end point. This is like a no. pretty much a start point. Well, right? Yeah, like you go back in the history and where first trucks in Australia are going to hit their three year birthday in January. So this is the FL Electric. The FLs, yep. yeah, the, yeah, the FLs with Linfox. So that's three years from them being in the country. Prime Movers have been in the country for. Nine months, I guess it is now. Yeah, probably a bit more. I don't know. Yeah, about nine months. This is our starting point. Yeah, and they're doing what they kind of do now. Let alone what does the future look like for them? But even to that point, right? So the FL Electric, when we first launched it in like three years ago, mm. two hundred and twenty k's range, roughly. Yeah. yeah, right. So that same truck now, if you ordered it, is four hundred and fifty k's range. Yeah, because we've gone from Gen One to Gen Two to Gen Three batteries. We've doubled the density. Yeah, and like it's sounding a lot of Volvo eyes, but. Just talks about what the technology is doing. I think even if you look at the passenger vehicle fleet, like 10 years ago, you got a Nissan Leaf and, yep, that's probably about it in full electric car in Australia. I think mean, the Teslas were out yet. The original Roadsters were, but now you go get a MG, Hyundai Kona, whatever, and they're doing 400 kilometres. Like their rapid expanse in what they're capable of doing and opening up to more and more use cases. It's not the little original Nissan Leaf doing 100 kilometres around town. It's now to this, the same as the trucks, the original... Our original FL Gen 1s, they do a great job doing 10-hour shifts day in, day out, but they suit that application. Now, as we start to look at either bigger trucks with the, the heavy-duty range and the prime movers or into the Generation 3 medium-duty range rigids, they're opening up more and more applications uh, in what they can do because the technology is is advancing. So we kind of did have like a secondary purpose for going to Canberra as well because, and it wasn't just to go to the National Gallery. Yeah, yeah. well, unfortunately, we didn't get there, so you'll have to take me next time. Right. But no, look, there's a great synergy between two rationales for doing the trip, right? Like, we got the testing, we got a, a decent run out of it, you know, looking at the charging and all the rest of it, learnings on the drive. It was an enjoyable drive for me, not so much you and Shane, but, you know. <laughs> but no, getting to Canberra, the reason why we did it was to deliver the first emergency services electric vehicle of ours to the ACT emergency services with the... Say that again slowly because... Yeah, right. <laughs> the first emergency services vehicle to the ACT emergency services agency. The FL, the one we showcased at AFAC and unveiled at AFAC was primed and ready for Probably delivery. Probably explain what AFAC is. Australian... No, I'm not going to get it. <laughs> we we'll have to edit that out. Big fire truck show. Big fire truck show. There we yeah. go. Australian fire agencies conference. This goes big fire truck big show. Big fire truck show. Yeah. Sorry, AFAC. But, you know, we unveiled it there. We brought the FL to Canberra to hand over for delivery. That vehicle in itself is an FL. It's got a self-contained body on the back of it. So all on the roof, battery in one of the drawers, one of the sides, can plug in in the station to charge that, that external battery for the, the body. Built by Fraser Fire over in New Zealand. First one of those, but a great truck, hazmat truck in its primary purpose. Well, it's a breathing apparatus truck. Breathing so apparatus truck, yeah. so sorry. It's, yeah, it's, my apologies. job is to turn up on site and mm. keep everyone primed with oxygen. So, You know, showcasing that truck and, the, and its delivery and from where it started to the collaboration that's happened 
up, down, left, right between our organisation and uh, the ACT ESA. It's been really interesting to be a part of to see the input and the user-centred design that's gone into it. It is a effectively a tailor-made product for that use case. Yes, it's flexible and doing other things as well, but the combination in the back between a workstation, the aircon, the, all the rest of it, and then storage spot for the uh, trolley containerized goods for dispensing goods and equipment to different scenarios. It's a great product in the end. It's going to, and it's going to do a great job, especially in the hands of the ACT ESA. So, well, I don't mind saying that it's mildly terrifying driving the only truck in Australia with a specialized version of the only truck of its kind in the world <laughs> yeah. on a trailer in a strange capital city. Yeah, we did the two days of driving down to Canberra and then day three we had to had to do the simple job of delivering it. To the National Arbiteum. Arbiteum. I've been practising saying that. Thank you. Because the first I, time I've got it right. I still can't get it right. <laughs> I apologise. Place uh, with lots of trees. Place with, with, truck show, place place with lots of trees. Keep it simple yeah. for Tim. No, but driving along there, that was, that was the easy job. And then you're starting to scout out where there are height restrictions on different tunnel, or different bridges and overpasses and all the rest of it. And you go... Not as easy a job as we thought it was going to be. Uh, it was supposed to be an easy drive, simple drive, all of eight kilometres or something like that. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was a... We had to make a detour. We had a quick detour. What does that bridge say up there? That's too low, turn left. Yes. And about the time you had to turn left, about the last moment you had to turn left. So... I like to live on the edge. Oh, yeah, yeah. We made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there any damage to any of the trucks? No. no. Was there any damage to any bridges? No. No. Yeah, we made it. We made it. And it was actually, um, it was a nice way to wrap it up. It was a great yeah, way to wrap it up. press event at the top of the hill, kind of nice and symbolic with the uh, mm. city of Canberra in the background, nice day, all of that sort of thing. So well, I actually thought it worked really well. No, it was a, it was a beautiful opportunity and, and media event, to be fair. And yeah, that background is, um, even just driving up into it, it's a beautiful background and you see some of the shots. Looking back over Canberra, shout out to our photographers and videographers, and videographers yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So yeah, we got some great, great imagery from it. So, what are your key takeaways from the trip? My key takeaways from the trip: you can have too many deep fried sausages. That's a, <laughs> that's a big one. I'm on a cleanse now. Probably another twelve months, two years off. Your chakras are glistening. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my body is a temple of health. The, the takeaways are. are I actually really enjoyed the, the environment that is the, the cabin. It's it's it is it is quiet. It's 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 comfortable. The narrative that charging infrastructure in Australia has a long way to go. It exists. It does a job. Drive my personal vehicles around a fair bit, and it you know suits my needs. But we do have learnings to still implement. There still there still is a way to go. Like to the charging side of things, especially as the vehicle capability or the applications start to increase. We're moving away from depot charging to on-route charging. There's a lot of further implementation to go as we see further volume of these vehicles being deployed. So it's kind of a working, and we already do with a lot of partners to understand where our roadmap is and then what should be aligned for the needs of our end customers and transport operators if they're going to be running these vehicles in scenarios where they can't have a loading dock with a charger or go back to their depot. They need external charging infrastructure. So probably the biggest one for me was that. I had the charging, how it's designed, where it's located, thinking about it like that. And the other part is, to be fair, that like the electric range simulator is pretty darn accurate. Scarily so. I know that real-world data is going back into the, feeding the algorithm and refining it, but it was user error on my part that didn't get it right, did not accounting for... Can you say that again? I was wrong. 
I was wrong. It's recorded now in history. But understanding what that was now to make sure we don't have situations like that again and feeding into better outcomes into the future. So, yeah, probably the three the three points, charging being number one, ERS being number two, and cleansing my body is the third one. <laughs> <laughs> You're paying the price. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I am partial to a can of coffee now. <laughs> I've come to like it. Yeah, I can get the canned coffee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I did do a stint in East Asia where, uh, um, yeah, canned coffee is king. So. Yeah. And you can even get it warm in the can. Warm in a can. Yeah. Okay, I've got to explore this. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. There's <laughs> your next mission. But, um, yeah, I thought the charging thing was quite interesting, I think. It's funny, as you push the envelope a little bit and you sort of get out sort of your comfort zone as to where you can go, what you can do and all that sort of stuff. Like we, we hear the horror stories all the time, but like the fact of the matter is every day people, more and more people are getting out and about with their zero emissions vehicles. You don't really hear about that. No, no. And like, it doesn't make a good headline. doesn't make a good headline. And, you Man know, goes to shops, buys milk, returns. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, doesn't make clicks on that. But, no. you know, to be fair, you know, someone, I've had an EV for two and a half years now and two of them for over a year now and, you mm. know, you start to, you hear these horror stories about charging lineups. There's a fuel station nearby me that most afternoons on the way back from work has a line on back onto the road waiting for people to, to fill up. So it happens to everyone, to supply demand and making sure you have the right infrastructure available in right spots. Yeah, it is an ev- evolution. There's also like, we've all heard the horror stories of people parking their EV at a charging station, plugging it in and then... Leaving yeah, for the day. Leaving yeah. for the day and then coming back later. Look, the, even the learnings for us, like... By the end of it, we had a knack on terms of how we were understanding the energy usage and the range we're getting out of the vehicle. We had even just plugging it in down to a fair art as well. Like as you're hopping out, you're opening the app, you're getting started because, and even just positioning the vehicle. Yep. Uh, and a couple of times when it was tight, you just had the cable length to do it. Yep. <laughs> there was one in particular, I was like, if this doesn't work, we got no other option. <laughs> so we made it work, which is a good thing. But yeah, all those little learnings, right? Yeah. Part of doing something new and different. I think as I've uh, mentioned earlier, I kind of felt like one of those um, early explorers heading off across the unknown mountains, you know, <laughs> not knowing what's on the other side. Yeah, we had me as like a Sherpa being like, it's fine. I've, I've worked it out. We can do it. And like, I don't trust this guy at all. <laughs> Shut up and carry the food. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> carry the snakes. <laughs> <laughs> carry the battered sausages. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so, that, so for you charging, what are, what are the learnings? Uh, I think, you know, I keep coming back to the drivability of the truck and especially, you know, the, the longer you play around with the systems in the truck, the better you are at sort of recovering energy out of it and yeah. things like that. It doesn't require a dramatically different approach to driving compared no, to a diesel. Not, no, But you're just a little bit more conscious about your opportunity to sort of regenerate energy back, like use the weight of the vehicle to recoup energy back into the battery and stuff like that. So that was... Um, Especially on their heavy-duty products, so their FH and their FM, the, uh, the regeneration uh, is such a great engine brake. Like, it just changes oh. the way that you drive. Um, well, first of all, this is very important, I think, overall, to talk about this is why we do driver handovers and yep. drive training with handovers because you want people to get the most out of the vehicle, you know, understand it, get the most out of it. It's an investment. It's an asset. So regardless of electric or diesel, you want them to know the product well. But um, talking about the regenerative braking, mat, still – when we originally did the FL down the Toowoomba range and yep. got 5 or 8% back into it going down, that was always 
my highlight story of that, but going up Cunningham's Gap and coming down Cunningham's Gap. Oh, that 44 tons in the FM, yes. Yeah, yeah, 44 tons going down Cunningham's Gap and all of a sudden you're like, I'm making fuel. And and we started watching it and it was 15% regeneration going down Cunningham's Gap, the battery getting filled up uh, on the way back down. It's It's interesting to see, you know, how controllable it was and you were the driver in that case, but how controllable it was and you weren't turning kinetic energy into brake dust. Yeah. And heat. You were turning it into charging a battery. Yeah. So yeah, once you understand it, utilize it, and it's simple to utilize, you do get a lot of benefit out of it. Yeah. So I mean, I know we're in danger of sounding like sort of complete EV fanboys, but yeah, well, um, yeah. but like I suppose we're just sort of acknowledging that how good it is in the space that it plays. Yeah. No. 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 Of course. And yeah. like, and and look, they have their limitations. Look, they do. There's different vehicles and different energy types for different applications going into the future, but it's just highlighting something like lack of noise and the regenerative braking and what it adds to the overall operations of a vehicle. Yeah, and again, I come back to that sort of like it's not a chore, it's not a hardship to like it's not like I have to drive this truck. You actually enjoy driving the truck. Yeah. You know, unless you're completely set against being open-minded about it, they are a really nice thing to operate. It's a propulsion system. You know, in the end of the day, it's a propulsion system. You, you know, I'm not sure how you can get offended about it, but – that just that experience, that drivability of it, the comfort of it, yeah, it's a good way to be where it works. Yeah. <laughs> and it was good to experience that charging sort of scenario outside of the day-to-day, going to different places, seeing, seeing what that experience is like. I mean, um, as time moves on, of course, the charging infrastructure is going to improve because there are more and more EV cars on the road. There will be more and more electric trucks on the road. I think we've got a, there's a bit of work to do there, but we will get you know, from the point of like a hub and spoke charging kind of operations for a lot of transport operators to where as it improves, it'll, I, I can see an evolution. I can see a roadmap there. And and I think that's the right way to play it, right? You know, you don't shoot for the stars in the first instance. You build a great basis in terms of deployment and comfortability and applications that suit. And then you start to stretch and understand more and move into bigger things. So what the charging starting to deploy like that, our vehicles are deploying like that. It'll be interesting to see what that growth looks like into the future when we're, we've got more infrastructure to support it. We've got more understanding evolution of product as well. We know what's going to be possible in the next... Well, it's only going to get better. Oh, you, well, yeah, you're only going up. Be really intrigued how fast and how big that up is. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And on that note, I think we can probably wind it up there. Yeah. Um, I'd like to thank our guest that's not here for Apologies again. I'll have to get a sixth friend. (laughs) You will. (laughs) All right. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Emerging Possibilities. Send your comments, suggestions and questions to emerging.possibilities at volvo.com. And of course, remember to rate and review this show.